Welcome to the Series 6 Exam Prep, podcast lessons for the FINRA Series 6 Exam. This podcast is to assist you in preparing for the FINRA Series 6 Exam. Well, what is the FINRA Series 6 Exam? The FINRA Series 6 Exam is an exam for those who wish to sell investment company products. It's much different from the Series 7 exam, which is the General Securities Representative exam. Typically, this is an entry-level exam that allows you to sell basically mutual funds and investment company products, and as such, is a much easier exam to pass than the Series 7 exam. Now, concurrent with taking this exam, you must also pass the Securities Industries Essentials exam. In reality, you should take the Securities Industries Essentials exam before you take the Series 6 exam. It will help prepare you for the exam. This podcast is going to give you sample portions of the lessons contained in the full bundle of audio lessons for the Series 6 exam prep, audio lessons for the FINRA Series 6 exam. This is an audio course of 8 hours and 44 minutes in length, and there are 20 individual lessons in the full bundle of audio lessons. The full bundle of audio lessons is available at Series 6, and that's the number 6, Lessons.com. Again, www.series6lessons.com. If you like the samples that you're hearing here, and if you would like to try four full-length audio lessons, you can go to the website and sign up to receive the four full sample lessons to help determine if you think these audio lessons would be valuable for you. All right, enough of an introduction. Let's get on to this sample lesson. This is lesson number 13, a sample of lesson number 13 for the Series 6 exam. The full audio lesson is 25 minutes and 28 seconds and covers codes of procedure. Welcome to this lesson on the FINRA Series 6 exam. This is Unit 2, Part 8 in the section Evaluates Customers' Financial Information, Identifies Investment Objectives, Provides Information on Investment Products, and Makes Suitable Recommendations. We're going to cover the next little bit of information that you need to know, and then I'll give you some time at the end to go ahead and go back and test yourself to see how you are doing. So let's go ahead and get started. So the first thing I want to talk about is called the FINRA Code of Procedure. Just remember COP. If you hear Code of Procedure, COP, same thing. That can be used to investigate different violations of real estate law. So it gives the FINRA the power to suspend, expel, bar, and censure anyone who falls under its jurisdiction who has violated the rules. So a person who has violated the rules will be notified of the infraction and will be asked to respond in writing. So you have to actually write a letter in response. Then these requests have to be met within 25 days or there can be additional problems. You'll be required to cooperate with the investigation and produce any documentation that they ask you for. So they say, we need to see your records. Then you've got to turn over those records. 
it's really important. That's why you need to keep those records just in case something does come up and they need your records. That's definitely important. You also will, and if you don't respond or you don't cooperate in the process, then a decision will be made without your input, known as the default decision. So you just have to accept whatever that default decision happens to be. And so you probably don't want that. It doesn't do you any good to withhold information because they are just going to make a decision without you, and then you don't have any input. So it's a good idea to cooperate as much as you can. You can also file an appeal to the National Adjudicatory Council, the NAC, and then that decision can also be appealed directly to the SEC. And then finally, if it still needs to go and be appealed again, that would have to be done in federal courts. The problem with that is the more that you appeal it, the more you're going to owe in legal fees. So it's one thing to appeal a decision, but you also have to be ready to pay all the associated legal fees. So that's a good thing to keep in mind if you are deciding whether or not to do that. For minor rule violations, you'll likely just be fined, and the maximum amount is still quite low, so it's not going to bankrupt the normal person. You also get a letter of censure in your file, which is just basically a slap on the wrist to something that stays on your record to show that you had an infraction in the past. And So if you have a major violation, however, you will definitely get a censure. A fine is likely. You might get a suspension, which is a temporary revocation of your license. You might get expulsion, which means that your entire firm is kicked out of FINRA. And you also might get barred, which means that a person is permanently banned. And they're not just temporarily banned. So hopefully that only will happen if something really bad happens to go down. Disputes between brokers and member firms are often settled by what's called the arbitration process, which means there's only one chance for this, and there's no appeals. If you use an arbitrator, something you have to realize is that what they say goes, and there's no real recourse beyond that. So it's good to remember that if you choose that as your decision. The process cannot go to a civil court afterwards, so... It's good to know. It's a faster and cheaper process, however, than a civil court and can be initiated up to six years after the inciting event or whatever event it was that feels makes you feel that you need arbitration. A non-public arbitrator is one that is an industry professional. So a public one is someone that's not in the finance industry. A non-public arbitrator is one that is an industry professional. They're also not immediately related to anybody who is an industry professional. So if you're a a public arbitrator, you also have not to, let's say, be married to or to someone who is a financial professional. So for a claim of $50,000 or less, FINRA will appoint a public arbitrator, or it can be qualified for what's called simple arbitration, where the director of arbitration takes in all the facts and just makes a ruling. So it's nice and quick and simple and cheaper. That's only if it's $50,000 or less. For $50,000 to $100,000, FINRA will appoint a public arbitrator, and thus both parties agree to having three arbitrators, two public and one non-public. For any greater amounts than that, or those that are not seeking monetary damages, they would want something else to happen, the default is three arbitrators, two public and one non-public, unless both parties agree to just have one. So arbitration in itself should only take... 
about 30 business days or less. It's not supposed to take a really long time. That's another nice thing about settling with arbitration rather than going through the courts, because the courts can notoriously take a very long time, and so you don't want to have everything settled there sometimes. The arbitrators then give out a document, once they're all done, called an award. And that details a summary of the incident, the findings of the arbitrators, the damages sought, and then finally, what damages are being awarded. So remember, what they say goes. So you can't appeal. They have to, As soon as they've made their decision, it is binding. These bub- And another thing about these documents is that they're publicly available. Anybody can go and see, oh, look, there was a dispute between this firm and the, uh, these two firms or during, between brokers and a, this, between a broker and a member firm and this is what happened and this is what the arbitrator decided and what damages were awarded and so on and so forth the person then has 30 days after you've handed they've handed down their decision to pay the actual damages so they found well this person was at fault they owe $5000 or whatever They've got 30 days to do that, and if they don't, then FINRA will punish them and report them to collection agencies, in which case they're still going to have to cough up the money. So it's better just to go ahead and pay and not have to worry about that. FINRA firms and members are required to report any charges or convictions within 30 days. So that means even if you aren't uh, convicted yet, you've just been charged of something, you still have to report that to FINRA because they need to keep tabs on that. And then these will be reported by the broker check system. The broker check system, remember, is that uh, automated system where you can go and look up different people's names and see their records and make sure that they are still doing what they're supposed to be doing. Members can try to have their bad records expunged. Thank you again for listening to this sample portion of the full lesson. If you found this lesson valuable, please go to the website, series. SixLessons.com, and that series, the number six lessons.com. At the website, you will find a link to purchase the full series of audio lessons if you found this to be valuable to you. Also, at the website, you can sign up to get four full length sample lessons. Best of luck in your studies.